0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Magic Mike. Now, today in the hot seat, we have Dan Ratstein. He is the host of United States of Dramerica, uh, screaming, screaming into the Hollywood abyss. And there's one more new show which he has just started. Now, Dan, could you please tell us more about these uh, three shows that you have uh, done?
1: Well, first of all, thank you very much for having me as part of your podcast you know there's nothing i enjoy more than podcasting so whether it's hosting them or being on other people's it's always a pleasure so uh, honored to be a guest with you so i've got three podcasts so the first one is united states of dramerica which is the as we call it the whiskey podcast that's not about whiskey so it's a whiskey podcast but we don't get into the details of the whiskey it's it's about having a glass of whiskey with an interesting person. So we talk about the person, not the whiskey. So um, we do touch on whiskey, but it's more in-depth storytelling and interviewing with a glass of whiskey. Now, so that was my, the first podcast I kicked off with, and we're now 66 episodes into that one. Mm-hmm. Then I launched one with a friend of mine called Screaming Into the Hollywood Abyss, and the good friend of mine, Noah Evslin, is a writer in Hollywood. And he and I interview guests every week about rejection and failure in Hollywood. So we talk to actors and writers and showrunners and producers about not the successes, but the hard times, which has been a fascinating podcast. And then I launched a new one. We're only three episodes in, which is linked to my day job, because podcasting is not my day job. Uh, my day job is I work for soccer team in Orange County in California. And so as part of a sort of business development thought leadership play around that, I have started a podcast called America, the Beautiful Game, which is a podcast about American soccer and its relationship with Europe. So three weekly guest-based podcasts.
0: You started your three podcasts, you know, one for work, a couple for, um, say, a hobby, I would say. Now, do you remember what was your first setup like when you did your first podcast? What microphones did you use? What software did you use?
1: So it was interesting. At the beginning, I had no idea Mm -hmm. what I was doing. So I, the first four episodes of United States to America, so it's the first time I'd ever podcasted, we did Mm -hmm. some Googling and uh, my co-host and I went halves on a blue Yeti microphone. Ah, okay. And then we recorded the episodes just on the microphone with a third person, that the guests. Mm-hmm. And then I think we tried to edit it. He had a Mac, so he tried to edit it on GarageBand.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We weren't really getting anywhere, and we didn't really know how to do it. Mm-hmm. And then we ended up... Outsourcing and paying somebody to edit the podcast for us. So they did, they actually built the intros for us and ah. then they edited the episodes and they did the first four episodes. And that's just how we did it. So we never really learned how to edit. Um, so our setup was literally a Blue Yeti microphone plugged into his Mac, mm-hmm. recorded, and then we, I guess, we transferred over the files to somebody else and they gave us back a podcast. And we, you know, gave them a couple of changes and that's how that we did cool? that side of it.
0: So that's how the wheel started for your podcasting journey, I would say.
1: Yeah. So we used a host mm-hmm. who I still use for everything, actually. So we mm-hmm. used Buzzsprout. Right. Which I, I mean, you know, again, I Googled it. There was, There's, you know, there's a hundred different providers, but there's probably at half a dozen of mm-hmm. the big ones, Buzzsprout, mm-hmm. Podbean Anchor. But we just, I can't remember exactly why now, but I think the user interface of, so there's nothing to do with price. And I think they're all about the same cost, but Buzzsprout seemed to be the easiest looking one to use and set up. And the website was laid out nicely. So we hosted on there. And now I'm over a hundred episodes later across the three podcasts. I still use Buzzsprout. So I've got three Buzzsprout accounts. I use their... My favorite part of it, probably, apart from just it's very easy to use, it was very easy to register the podcast in all the different places that you have to register it because, obviously, as you know, when you start, you've got no idea how to do this, but they make it very easy to get onto Apple, to get onto Spotify, iHeartRadio, all these other ones. You just, you know, click a button. But now I edit them myself, and we can talk about how I edit them in a second. But they've got this thing on Buzzsprout called Magic Mastering, which I think is $6 a month extra. And it just runs your podcast through an algorithm and it just cleans up a lot of the background noise, it adjusts the levels, and it's just a... A nice, clean, automated edit over the top, which really... And you really notice it when you listen to your final version and then the final version post magically being mastered. And yeah. I find that a really valuable. So I love Buzzsprout. I've used them for all my episodes of all my podcasts.
0: So right now that you use Buzzsprout to actually host the uh, platforms and everything, and editing-wise, you actually go to an editor. Am I right? Not anymore. So I
1: did for the first, I think I did for maybe the first 15 episodes. I worked with mm. somebody who I paid. And then when the pandemic hit, everything changed in the sense that I recorded all the episodes live. Mm. All my guests, I'd literally sit down and have a glass of whiskey with somebody and we'd mm. have the Blue Yeti. And that was the podcast. So when the pandemic hit, I, I stopped leaving my house or more precisely my garage, which is where I ended up, my shed, which is where I ended up doing my recording. And I started recording over Zoom and I took the Zoom file and I thought, you know what, I'm going to start. I used to do it every two weeks and I thought I'm going to do this every week now because it's so easy to get guests Because everyone else is stuck at home as well. And at the time, obviously, no one knew how long this was going to last. I thought this might be, you know, just a few weeks. I thought, you know, I'll do this myself because it's going to get expensive if I keep having to use somebody else. But also the turnaround times needed to be quicker. So I lost about four episodes because I'd recorded them in non-pandemic times. And then the pandemic hit. And discussions with people were out of date because the world had changed. And because it was going to keep being... Fast moving. I thought I need to record these podcasts and get them out a couple of days later because otherwise somebody will say something, and because of the way the world was changing, another country would be shut down or another bit of society would, be, would stop working. So I learned a lesson there. And obviously, no one expected a global pandemic, but I did an interview with the head of BAFTA, the British uh, Film and Television yeah. Academy. And we talked about all the normal things you talk about, including going to the cinema, going to movies, the Oscars. And then obviously the pandemic hit and all movie theatres were shut. So that episode no longer worked. So I went up to weekly episodes and I thought, you know, I'll do this myself. And again, I Googled around to see what was what. And I ended up buying an app called Ferrite. F-E-R-R-I-T-E. And I I can't remember exactly. I think it might have been $35 for The sort of pro version. And so now I record an episode on Zoom. And I know there's best practice where you ask your guest at the other end to record as well and all that stuff. But I I really haven't needed to do it. So I record on Zoom. I take the audio file, I send it to myself, put it in Dropbox, take it out of Dropbox, put it in Ferrite, add my intro and my outro, edit it. It's so easy to edit on Ferrite. I actually do it on the phone rather than even on a, an iPad or a, or a computer, and then send it through Buzzsprout's Magic Mastering and put the episode up, and away you go.
0: So that's, uh, how
1: do you spell ferrite again? It's F-E-R-R-I-T-E.
0: I-T-E, that's ferrite. It's an editing software.
1: Yeah, and so, so I Perfect. found it, I Perfect. it, I used it, I love it, and I now recommend it to other people. That's... It's very,
0: very easy to use. That's pretty cool. I mean, like th- that's the whole point of Magic Mike because then just a bit more about me, I've actually done like a thousand episodes in production and I understand the pain of actually going through, editing a podcast, sitting down there, just, you know, the, the turnaround times, which is, is, is what takes a lot of effort and it, it takes a lot of like, um, it, it that's where actually pot fates happen because like, You know, you can't really push out an episode in time, you lose motivation, you know, all this uh, external factors. So from an editing point of view, if we can actually turn around an episode as fast as possible, that's a win. That's a win for the podcast, honestly.
1: 100%. So I, you know, I'm not a full-time podcaster. I have Mm -hmm. three weekly guest-based podcasts. So you've got, by having guest-based ones, obviously you have to find a guest and all the work that goes around that. So I've got that issue, Mm -hmm. and then I have to edit them and release them on top of my day, the moment I'm also homeschooling the kids, I'm also Mm -hmm. doing an MBA. So I'm incredibly busy, and Mm -hmm. I'm well aware that in my head, if I miss a week of the podcast, it might be time to stop because you need that consistency. So for me, the fact that the editing…
0: Sort of helps, that for right sort of helps.
1: Yeah, it does, and also I think… Everyone does this differently, but when I Mm -hmm. when I first recorded those first four episodes, I had no idea what I was doing. So Mm -hmm. we would record a couple of hours in conversation Mm -hmm. with somebody, then sort of send it back to the person editing it. They'd clean it all up and send it back. But now I've got my process really down, so I very rarely over record. So if I'm doing a forty-minute, my episodes are between thirty-one and forty-nine minutes across all three podcasts. I Mm -hmm. like to, you know the number needs to begin with a three or a four rather than a five or a two. Mm -mm -mm. And when I record, I'm mindful of my edit. So when I'm talking, obviously if there's an issue with the the sound quality, it drops out or someone's Mm -mm. phone rings, obviously, you know, you have to cut that stuff. But as I conduct the interview, I'm not recording two hours of material to then cut back. Mm -hmm. I know what I'm recording And so I make sure that we don't refer back to things too much and all the stuff that can get you into trouble in an edit. Mm -hmm. And then I edit it myself. And sometimes I, I only maybe take out a few ums and ahs, a couple of technical issues. Mm -hmm. And actually often I over, sometimes I over ask a question. So I cut back my own question. So (laughs) I'll ask a question and I'll say one extra half sentence that's extraneous. So I take those out a lot. Mm -hmm. I tend not to cut the guests very much unless they say something ridiculous. Mm -mm. And so I'm recording just about the length of the episode we end up using. So I'm making it easy for myself to edit because if I didn't, there's no way I'd be able to turn around three in a week.
0: So it's actually the good process that you have, a process that works for you actually sort of helps you keep that consistency.
1: Yeah, so I know obviously this podcast is about you asking me what I use, but mm. what do you use? What do you edit with?
0: So for me, I actually use Adobe Audition because I'm, I'm, I'm for me, I'm this is my full-time uh, rule. So I actually use um, Audition to put in the effects, put in the mixing, and everything. I use Audacity sometimes to do like um, you know uh, removal of multi tracks, for example. So these are my two main two main two um, softwares that I use basically for editing. Because with Audition and Audacity, it's like um, 90% of podcasters actually start with Audacity um, in terms of like, because it's good for recording, it's also good for editing. However, Audacity takes up a lot of your RAM space so that may actually kill your computer. That is the flip side to it. Mm. Um, so from Audacity, I upgraded... I upgraded to Adobe Audition and that has been my go-to so far to, you know, mix master and put in any effects or anything. It's it's pretty simple, but I would like to actually check out, th- this is the whole point of Magic Mic. I would like to check out how Ferrite would actually help editing as well, because if, if we are able to produce episodes faster, that helps with consistency in my opinion. Yeah. So I think
1: that's right and it's interesting, if I was a full-time podcaster and mm-hmm. I was being paid lots of money to do my podcasts. Mm. I would probably need to change my setup, but that's not what I'm trying to do. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I've got a reasonable, reasonably loyal listener base for Mm -hmm. the first two. The third one's so new that it's building up, but I know what I'm trying to achieve with the podcast. And I also Mm -hmm. know what I'm not going to achieve. And so it's not even about spending the money. It's it's, I think for me, it's about the time. So, and I hope none of my guests are offended by this. And mm-hmm. I don't think they will be. So with Ferrite, so some guests, and you'll know this when you've mm-hmm. done a recording, you know that there's going to be lots of editing. There's lots of ums. Yes, there's lots yes, of yes. ahs, there's lots of people coughing, all the stuff that really makes the edit complicated, and you end up having, you know, to slice out 30 or 40 little things to get your yep. run. But there are some episodes you do where... You're allowed a bit of umming and ring. There's nothing wrong with that, as long as it's not too jarring. Mm-hmm. And there's some episodes you record where you know it's almost going to run its course. And because I'm so busy, I go for a daily walk every day. It's about the only time I get any peace and quiet with the children and so on. I go for a walk every day for about an hour. Mm-hmm. And certain episodes of the podcast, when I know that it's a relatively clean recording, I just I go for a walk on my phone and I listen to the podcast and I walk along, and if, I, if it's relatively clean, you don't have to – obviously, I, I stop to do the edit if I need to, but it's, it's just thumb swipes on, the, on ferrite. It's so easy to use on the knife. Right. Thing. So it's, but, it's,
0: it's actually editing on the go.
1: <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> this is editing on the go. So I did an episode of my Dramerica podcast. All right. It was very, very clean. The, the guy coughed about eight times. But right. apart from that, I knew it would run through. -hmm. And I went for a walk yesterday. I walked, I did a four-mile walk and I edited the entirety of the podcast. I put the intro and the outro on the fiddly bits. I did that when I got home. And that's how I managed to do it. And today I went for a walk and did half of an episode that's dropping on Wednesday because it was again it was very clean. So Mm -hmm. I'm not being disrespectful to my guests. I'm trying to manage my own time. And Mm -hmm. Ferrite's easy. My edit is controlled by me, partly during the interview itself. Mm-hmm. I'm lucky that my guests are pretty clean talkers, as it were. Mm-hmm. So I do a lot of editing walking around. And if I didn't, I'm not sure I'd have time.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Because interestingly, like when I was I was in this three years ago, I started out three years ago, the tools that were available, or you know, tools that were available for podcasting in a nutshell, were not as much as I see it. In this one year especially. You know, I'm not too sure when Ferrite came out, but you know, the rise of these apps. Um, another one which I actually want to explore with you is Clubhouse. Mm. You know, all, all these platforms, applications, I've seen I see this rising in 2021, and I and I have a hypothesis where 2021 is the year where everyone is gonna podcast, or every podcasting is just gonna be made so easy, it's gonna be so crowded. So, what are your thoughts on Clubhouse, first?
1: So, all of my friends know I podcast. As you probably know, the podcasts are uh, podcast hosts are like vegans. Mm-hmm. Like if you are one, you tell everyone about it, and so people know I podcast because I do talk about it a lot, and my LinkedIn's full of the various podcast stuff. But mm-hmm. so when Clubhouse began to exist. Everybody I knew was saying, was sending me invitations and saying, "Come and do this. This is the future."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I went into one day. I, I went to a couple of rooms. I just don't get it. You know, I, <laughs>
0: okay.
1: I just don't. I don't see. It. I don't understand why it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And, and and I know there's lots of people who love it. I just don't. I don't get it. I don't see the value. I. I realized I could spend quite a lot of time trying to work out what the value is. Mm-hmm. But because I didn't realize it straight away, I deleted the app. I, you know, I left, I deleted the app mm-hmm. and I have not paid it any thought since, you know, I'm going to keep right. podcasting in the places that I do mm-hmm. and keep doing things the traditional way. And I may well be missing out on something, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure what I'm missing out on. So I'm quite comfortable
0: that I am. It's still very early days, I would say. It's still yeah. very, what, very early day. What's your view? I think it's okay. So uh, earlier this year, I saw an article that says Clubhouse will kill podcasting, and I disagree. I disagree to that article because I think Clubhouse can co live and co exist with podcasting, because podcasters can adapt and they can use applications like Clubhouse. Now, if another app which is coming out later this year is called Fireside. Uh that is a app by Mark Cuban, and he's actually said that you know this is, f- uh, for podcasting for podcasters, so it's something similar to Clubhouse, but in a way it's integrated for podcasting where you know you're able to record your shows, do it live, you know all these extra features. So I-, I think it's quite interesting, you know how pod uh, podcasting is going to be like um um in a way like you know how Twitch was born where it came out from YouTube and a dedicated stream for gamers. Likewise, I think it's going to be something similar where it's going to be a dedicated stream for podcasters, just a platform for podcasters. I, I think yeah. that's, that's where the future is.
1: I, I think you might be right. And there's a part of me that thinks, you know, maybe I'm mm-hmm. missing a chance to build the brand and mm-hmm. missing out sections of my audience. But what I quite like about a traditional podcast is... You know, I record this thing. I upload it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Actually, one of the one of the apps. Talking of apps, I'm not quite sure it counts as an app. But so I wasn't sure what to do about websites at right. first. And I tried mm-hmm. various things, and Buzzsprout gives you a free one, but it's it looks like a free one. And then you know I looked around at WordPress and all the other ones that you can use to Wix and so on that you can use to build these websites. And I mm-hmm. never really found one that. I was happy with. And then something appeared. I can't remember where I found it. I think it might have been on Twitter. A company called Podpage.
0: Yes. That's, that was what I was going to tell you. Podpage. So,
1: love, love it. Yeah, so yeah. all of my podcasts now sit on Podpage. Mm-hmm. Um, and... So I actually, my, my one of my complaints about them, and this has turned out well actually, was when I went from one to two, I had to use a second email address because they hadn't set up for people having more than one. Mm-hmm. And now, when I went from two to three, I not complained, but I, I fed back and uh, they've put me in some beta, and now I've got all three in one account, which is much easier. Wow! And um, it's brilliant. So my method, well, so. This morning, I released an episode. So, perfect example. So, I finished editing it on my walk yesterday. Mm -hmm. I uploaded it. uh, It sat in Buzzsprout. This morning, I pressed publish. About a minute later, I went onto Pod Page. It's there. It, it, It refreshed. It appeared, I put in the artwork specific to the episode and I do the same thing for all my podcasts. I have a collage of four pictures mm-hmm. of the guest and things related to the guest plus my logo and that's our artwork. So I uploaded that to Podpage and then created the custom link.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So this today's guest uh, was an automotive specialist talking about mobility. Mm-hmm. So it was mm-hmm. unitedstatesofamericaus backslash mobility. And then away you go, it sits there if I want to sell merch, I can do it through PodPage. Mm-hmm. You can do the reviews through there, the whole thing. It's its brilliant. And that's my platform. And mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's great because you now don't have to worry. At the beginning, when I didn't know what I was doing, when I put a podcast up on Twitter, I'd have to put, you know, the Apple link, the Spotify link, yeah. all that stuff. This way, it just sits in there. And obviously, some people subscribe, but mm-hmm. it sits in there and people can find it from there. And it's, it's brilliant. And I put all the podcasts out on, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, and mm-hmm. away you go. So maybe I'm missing out on the clubhouse crowd, but at the moment, all the people I think I want to listen are listening. So I've got your regular listeners who yeah. are friends of mine. I've got listeners who I don't know who are very engaged to engage with on social media, mm-hmm. you know. But then, like my parents can work out how to use it because <laughs> yes. and they're never going to download Clubhouse, that but I every agree. so often they're interested in episode. So you know, maybe I'm shutting myself off from an opportunity but and maybe if I was full time I'd do this differently but mm-hmm. as a as a regular podcast hobbyist who podcasts you know, particularly one of them is growing reasonably quickly I'm quite comfortable mm-hmm. that yeah. I sort of don't know what I don't know so I'm going to do without Clubhouse
0: I still think Clubhouse is too early days I mean it's only available on iOS it's not available on Android that's one factor and to be honest at the moment I think we are not missing out on Clubhouse it's a great platform to have a conversation, but I still think there is a need for a hosting platform to host your podcast on, and you know, it, it can be a platform to converse and replace apps like Zoom, Squadcast, or you know, other recording softwares. But I I think there's still a long way for Clubhouse to you know sort of come through for podcasters, in my opinion.
1: So I'd be interested in your view on mm-hmm. some of these platforms. So I mm-hmm. have been on. You know, i've produced over 100 episodes of my own podcast but mm-hmm. i've probably been on about a dozen of other people's mm-hmm. partly because you know it's a chance to tell the story of what we're doing either my podcast or my work in some way but also i like to see what m- what kits other people use what apps they use mm-hmm. and i've been on some where people have sent me links to riverside and Squadcast, and yeah i found them annoying and cumbersome <laughs> frankly <laughs> the links like, okay. and, i'm not saying my system is perfect i mean i Mm. use zoom and as we've we discovered ironically at the beginning of this my zoom camera not that it matters but my zoom cameras stopped working (laughs) after a day of zooms for no reason um so you know maybe zoom isn't perfect but when i when i do a podcast with a guest and again it's we talked about reducing the time it takes Mm -hmm. to edit to make it easier reducing the friction with the guest makes it easier to get guests to come on um So when a guest agrees to come on my podcast, I basically send them a zoom link, tell them it's audio only, but if they want a nice background, just in case we use video for social media (laughs) clips and away we go. Uh, When I've been sent links to these other ones, I don't, I'm not quite sure of the upside Mm -hmm. and some of them have been a bit fiddly. And I remember one, they had all sorts of issues with my microphone, which I've Mm -hmm. never had on zoom. So I just don't quite see the value, but I know Mm. so many people use them. So I'd love, obviously you've podcasted 10 times more than I have. I'd love to know your experience.
0: To me, I think Squadcast and Riverside um, are the future for podcasting or are going to be the future, like immediate future of podcasting. Why I say so is from an editing perspective, Zoom only exports the audio in like an M4A format. And in terms of recording, Zoom depends on your internet. So this conversation is being recorded by me. So it relies on my internet um, to record all the conversation, which means that if you start lagging on my end, it would be picked up here. So you know, there'll be that mini glitches, you know, like the the skips and all that. So I wouldn't be able to remove that part from your track. However, with these uh, Zencaster, Squadcast, uh, Riverside, and you know, all these upcoming apps, or already existing apps, what these apps do is, uh, to me, which I think is the best part, is they record it locally on your network. So, which means it relies on your internet, and these glitches are 99.9% non-existent. Because when I've edited so far all these tracks, I've I've never came across um, uh, a track where you know it had a glitch in Squadcast or Riverside or Soundcast. It, it records locally through your network and it records in WAV format, which is the uh, lossless uh, standard uh, format for podcast uh, audio. So these are the two upsides. From this is a from a very technical editing point of view. Um, I think that if let's say um the only, the only thing i i feel it's a bit overwhelming is the price. I think it's too expensive um as a platform. Uh, if let's say you're just going to use it for like say one podcast a month or something like that. However, if you're doing like four or five podcasts a month, i i think this might be a great platform to you know explore and uh, check it out. For me,
1: mm-hmm. the cost of podcasting changed dramatically Mm-hmm. when the pandemic struck. Mm-hmm. So at the moment my podcast costs are fifteen dollars sorry, eighteen dollars a month for bus sprouts, although yeah. that's times three because I've got three podcasts. I think about $15 a month for pod page. And again that's times three. Mm-hmm. And you know I've got the pro Zoom account because when you have multiple people on over 40 minutes. And I think I pay for a Dropbox account as well.
0: And and
1: I bought Ferrite as a one-off. So it probably cost me about, I don't know, just over a hundred dollars a month is probably my podcast costs Mm -hmm. for what is my main hobby. Pre pandemic. And I didn't even think about this before because Mm -hmm. you sort of sometimes don't add these things up, Mm -hmm. but I worked it out when I stopped doing it because of, When I stopped traveling around. So in the old days, when I recorded my podcast live, I would Uber to somebody's house, give them a bottle of whiskey, because that's how that was the premise of our podcast. I would Uber home because I'm drinking the whiskey, so I can't drive. Mm -hmm. So every episode of the podcast was costing me about $140 in travel and alcohol, separate from the hosting costs. So I was spending $600 a month of my hobby podcast. Now, when Zoom hit, I started doing it obviously I, I, when the pandemic hit i started doing it over zoom so mm-hmm. no it and the guests now had to provide their own whiskey because <laughs> i would drink a different whiskey from them and we made a bit of a thing of it yeah so even though you know i'm spending 100 and something a month for just a hobby it's a lot cheaper for me than it was previously exactly <laughs> yeah and also i don't know how other podcasters will feel about this but mm-hmm. It has been really easy to get guests. It's been really easy to record yep. because I've used Zoom and we're all at home. When life goes back to normal and mm-hmm. I have the option of meeting guests. Now, I know some people rent studios and so on, but I was never in that place. mm mm-hmm. I like to keep recording on Zoom at home in the evenings rather than go and meet people and record in real life <laughs> because it's actually a lot easier from an editing point of view, from a sound quality point of view. Yep. And you lose some of the relationship stuff, but from a scheduling point of view, it was always very difficult to get hold of people yep. before. Now, obviously, when the as things are loosening up now, people are going to start going out a bit more. But I still mm. feel like... Now people have got used to doing this stuff remotely.
0: It's the I new for norm.
1: one am gonna try and keep doing remote podcasts for as long as I possibly can.
0: Yeah. It's the new norm. This is the new normal, to be very honest. Like I think like recording online. To me that's why I see the rise in podcasting apps. There's there's so many podcasting apps because of this pandemic. It's it's like the 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 availability to, you know, podcast has been just made much more easier. Like going back to my hypothesis, I feel 2021 is the year where, you know, everyone can just podcast easily. It's just like, you know, snap, you can just start a podcast.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it's very easy. And I know, I mean, I'm advising a couple of people mm-hmm. about starting podcasts, um, you know, sort of consultancy capacity. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you know, it's it is the barrier entry is is so low. And interestingly, the the Hollywood podcast I do with my friend, part mm-hmm. of the reason we did it is he's a writer who's been frustrated for a year because mm-hmm. nothing nothing's being produced. So he can't get on shows to write because production's halted. Yeah. And he's feeling it was less about making money, but it's more because we don't make any money from the podcast. But for him, he didn't have a creative outlet Mm -hmm. and we started podcasting and he got his message out. Now it's different from the sort of stuff he used to write, but once a week he's creating some content and putting it out into the world and no one can stop him. Mm -hmm. And that is incredibly valuable for him professionally, but also I think personally. And I know for me, You know, I'm not podcasting for a career. If one of my shows took off and somebody wanted to do something with it, that's wonderful, but that's not why I'm doing it. And it's been such a great outlet, Mm -hmm. particularly during the pandemic. Three times a week, I sit down and meet somebody new and interesting through the power of podcasting. And, you know, here we are, you know, we've connected through podcasting and I'm having a conversation with you. And I think it has changed my. My mental health is in a better place for having the ability to talk to all of these people through the power of podcasting. And, you know, I don't think even when life goes back to normal and you can start seeing people in real life, this outlet is still a very special place. And I can I know the appeal of podcasting. And I think it's a a great thing for people to do. And if people are thinking of setting up a podcast, you know, just do it. If it doesn't work, just stop.
0: But Mm -hmm.
1: there's no reason not to do it.
0: Dan, this has honestly been one of the most interesting conversations I had on Magic Mike. Um, it's been really insightful, you know, getting your story into like your world of podcasting. You know, that's that's how I, I'll put it. It's really interesting and uh, insightful, I would say. As a final question on Magic Mike, I'm doing all this um tests. You know, I do a lot of mic tests. I ask all the guests this question: What you had for breakfast this morning? Then. That's a good question. <laughs> what about have, oh,
1: I tell you what. So we do all our um, we do all our shopping online
0: mm-hmm.
1: since last March, yeah. and we've basically pretty much run out of everything.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So we've run out of bagels, which we normally give the kids for breakfast. We've run out of milks. So we couldn't even have cereal. But I did a favour for mm-hmm. the british consulate who i used to work with in my previous life i, I moderated an event for them mm-hmm. and they've been so this is part of the british diplomatic service and they sent out some british food and drink as a thank you they've got these sort of boxes that promote british food and drink and they sent mm-hmm. me a packet yep. of of scones um if you know what scones yep. are but yep. yeah so they sent scones with clotted cream and jam or jelly as they say in america mm-hmm. so this morning because it was partly because it's the only thing left in the house and actually it was excellent myself and my children we had british scones with cream cheese because i didn't want to have clotted cream mm-hmm. and jam and it was a wonderful breakfast possibly the best breakfast i've had in quite a while <laughs> so you've asked the question on a good day
0: that's awesome that's awesome to hear then Thank you so much for coming on the show and I, I hope you actually had a good time and I hope the listeners actually have a, you an know, insightful story listening to this conversation.
1: Well, thank you very much for having me. It's great to sit down with somebody with your vast podcasting experience to have a conversation about this world we're all in and the ways of making it easier for people. So thank you for inviting me.